The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz Ingrassi and Ed McLoon. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Welcome to the Hoffman Connection. We're coming to you from beautiful... And today, dry Northern California. And I've been with the Hoffman Institute for over 20 years. I'm a teacher of the Hoffman process and uh, been an executive function with the Hoffman Institute for many years. If you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, you may have heard of the Hoffman process. We're celebrating 45 years as a leading personal development program of its type. And our byline is that we are helping people who are serious about change. We have 16 sites across 11 countries helped about 85,000 people worldwide, and our signature program is the Hoffman Process, which is an amazing seven-and-a-half-day retreat of personal development and discovery. My co-host, Ed McClune, is I'm not sure if he's here yet. Ed, are you here? No. Okay. So maybe Ed will be joining us. The purpose of this show, of course, the Hoffman Connection, is to bring inspiration, education, and tools to help you connect to a life you love. We offer the Hoffman Process about every couple of weeks around the United States, and we're a nonprofit organization and have lots of support programs after you've done the Hoffman Process. Uh, I want to introduce you to our guest today. We have a very special experience in, in store for you with singer-songwriter Ed Romanoff. He's actually an award-winning uh, songwriter of Americana music, and his 2012 album, just self-titled Ed Romanoff, is a masterwork, I'll call it, of melancholic and atmospheric Americana. And uh, he says there's a, a sense of uh, the kind of redemption you can find at the end of an introspective night with a good bottle of whiskey. <laughs> That's a good description of things. But there's a very compelling story here uh, that Ed has about how he came to uh, to write music and uh, and how how he came to find this through his own healing, through the Hoffman work, and so on. So I want to invite uh, Ed Romanoff. Ed, are you there? I'm here, and I can hear you loud and clear. We're really pleased to have Ed Romanoff joining us today. Ed, there's a fantastic story behind his success as a songwriter. He His original album this year, I think, won awards on... International and National Songwriting Awards, unlike eight or nine of, of the ten songs on the album. So, Ed, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rez. This is great. And uh, Ed McLoon is also here. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I'll try to say the last name when I'm talking to someone. But uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll just uh, assume you're talking to Ed Romanoff, Rez. All right. That sounds good. So... Ed, uh, tell us a little bit about how you came to be a songwriter. I know that uh, you achieved uh, a lot of business success with your company, Pine Rock Productions, and, and that you came to writing music only a few years ago, even though you've been a musician for some time. And give us a little background on how you came to that, how that happened. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting path, it's, and it's so uh, circuitous that it makes you think that it was sort of predetermined, you know, um, because I had a professional role in my company as the CEO of a business, um, but I didn't have a lot of training in that area, I had hired a, a professional coach to help me um, uh, figure out how to be a good CEO. Um, you know, a lot of folks out there are looking for programs that can help them do a better job, and I was one of those people. And so my professional coach sent me to one of his friends because 
one of the things that was um, kind of holding me back was I had tremendous uh, fear and anxiety around uh, public speaking, and that was a big part of my job, you know, presenting to clients and talking to employees. And so for me, it was just I just had a tremendous dread. In my 20s, I had a uh, an event. It was a disassociative amnesia event where I lost my memory. Um, simple things like how to tie my shoes, how to play the guitar. Uh, I just, my mind cleared out and it was later diagnosed as a, a PTSD event. And so for years, it took me a long time before, I mean, even just talking to a waitress in a restaurant was very, very difficult for me. Wow. And so um, with, I, I had hired a professional coach to help me, you know, uh, I just fought through it, you know, like um, it was very, very, like every one of them was, I would dread it, and I took a lot of medication, and it would just make me super tired afterwards. Like I would have to take a lot of a lot of medicine to be able to get through these presentations because I was afraid that I would forget again and blank, as that that's how it came on in the first place. So my professional coach referred me to um, uh, a psychiatrist in Boston, and I went up to visit him. And he has a, a really high-level job in the psychiatric world, which I did not know. But when I met him, he asked me, I told him my story, and uh, or the story that I knew at the time, which was already kind of odd. And he said, if you're up for something that's a little non-traditional, he was aware of um, uh, of a program that, you know, it's a week, and you could go, and it, it was the Hoffman process. And this guy was such a highly respected person, you know, the head of psychiatry, a major hospital in Boston. I, I was like, you know, just based on his recommendation, I said, well, you know, if you're, I've been dealing with this panic, I would have panic attacks in the beginning upwards of 20 times a day. Oh, my and, God. And then um, over the years, it became less and less. But I don't know if, it, it, you know, experience a panic attack is... is um, it's very difficult to describe unless you've had one, but if you have, it is just so hard to move through. Yeah, and it's so just overwhelming. It is really, it, you feel like you're going to die. And so my resting pulse, I was a triathlete when this came on in my mid-20s. My resting pulse was about 52 beats a minute. And after I had that PTSD event, my resting pulse went to about 130 beats a minute. And so... That was just a resting pulse. And then when I got nervous, it would go up from there. And I just didn't, I couldn't get enough oxygen in my lungs to speak. And so, you know, I basically, if you exhaled as hard as you can, and then you exhaled again to get all the air out of your lungs, you know, like and really exhale, then see how many words you can say. That was really where I was. I could say wow. about four words. Wow. I could, say, I could say about four words. And so, um, I, you know, I thought I would get outed actually, you know, I was, I was in, ironically, I was in sales and just, you know, this is where divine intervention comes into play, but I became like a very successful salesperson that actually couldn't speak. Like I had all these crazy, lucky things happen. I was given a presentation in front of the president of our company and I was like, I know today they're going to find out that, uh, I can't do this job. And I got three words out, and in the middle of the sentence, the client stopped right as I ran out of gas. I couldn't talk any further. And he looked at a woman in the meeting and said, um, are you from Pennsylvania? And, and it was a late addition to our group. And she goes, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. Well, it turns out they knew the same person. They talked for a while, and, and the next thing you know, the client just said, well, let's just skip to the end. How much is it? And we won this massive job. And I can only speak four words at the time. I was 29 years old. And so uh, uh, that was just something that took me years and years and years. And it used, I used to have a good memory, but then it was gone. And I couldn't remember, you know, what I had for lunch or just like really, really simple things. Where I went to high school, where I parked my car. You know, I just couldn't remember stuff. And so it took me years to try to... Uh, rebuild the ability. And, and, and when I used to wing it, because I had a, a, a good memory, I now took yeah. incredible, incredible notes. So tell us so what I, happened then when you did the, when you did the, uh, the Hoffman process, because that's where I met you. And yep. uh, I saw you have an amazing breakthrough. And yep. tell us a little bit about that and how that led you to songwriting. 
Because that's yeah, only about sure. three years ago, right? Uh, it was in 2008, August of 2008. And so my uh, the doctor recommended Hoffman. I signed up and went, and not knowing what I was getting into, because uh, it was just on his recommendation that he was such a high-standing person in the medical community, I just said, all right, I'll do it, you know. And then I got there, and then, you know, a couple of days in, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what what have I gotten myself into, you know? Um, but I got some great advice from uh, one of the YPO people I knew my with my business. I was a part of YPO. And Dick Simon, I, just, I talked to him, and he said, just trust the process. Just let yourself just do it. Don't try to figure it out. You know, like all type A people are always trying to figure everything out. So anyway, I... I took his advice, and I was like, all right, I'll just do it, you know. And so I went through the process, and ironically, I had um, I had a very interesting experience. It was Tuesday morning of the process, and I walked outside, and all of a sudden I saw the trees and flowers in a way that they looked like they were plugged in to electricity. You know, like um, colors became very, very uh, vivid and very, very dense to the point where it made me nervous. And I went back into the room and I talked to one of the teachers and I said, something's happening with me, like my vision, my eyesight's changing. And they and I, I forget who it was, but they were like, oh yeah, that happens sometimes. And um, later on it was explained to me that I might have been in a mild depression for years, but not aware of it. And so, because uh, I went back to that physician to ask him like, how is that possible? And that, that for me still persists. Like I see it in flowers and trees, nature especially, and in lights, like Christmas lights, it almost tickles in my brain. I, I you know, I was, I, was, I was 48 years old, and I had never actually seen the world. So halfway through the week, that happened. You know, I went there for the, um, yeah. to deal with the anxiety, and then yet what happened was I cleared out a lot of patterns and baggage of, of things that I was doing that was sort of holding me back. Uh, at the end of the week, um, I had always wanted to write songs. I'd always wanted to perform, but I was deathly afraid of getting in front of people, so I, I didn't ever try it. So my coping mechanism was to become a producer, a behind-the-scenes guy. So I started a business that was in and around music, and we produced very famous artists. I worked with George Burns, Reba McIntyre, Dana Carvey, Jay Leno, you know, like, and I had, uh, and that was enough. That I felt like was enough. And, and, and so I, I was, I was living on what I thought was okay. But throughout the process, like towards the end of the week, I started to think, you know, in that role, I was more of a cheerleader, you know? Yeah. And towards the end of the week, I started to think of my, think, what would it be like to be a player? You know, cause I always wanted to be in music and write music, but I was afraid. And, I'm not saying that my fear went away, but the process made me braver. And um, so I pursued, the last day of the process, I turned to this woman who was sitting next to me, and I said, um, you know what, I think I'm going to write songs. And she got chills, and I got chills, and she said, I can tell you're going to do this. And it was just such a strange feeling to know something and then I'm going to say, all right, well, I'm going to see where this goes. So, you, so, so Ed, you pursued this, and um, it, was, it went along with your, uh, a healing that extended out to, you, you discovered some things about your family of origin, and you were pursuing <laughs> that healing. At the same time, your, your musical self-expression is, is blooming, and they were kind of linked. Did you think that they were linked together? Um, no. Not okay. at all. You know, it was a total surprise. You know, like, I really I really gained a lot of compassion in the process, actually, for my folks. You know, like, I really came to the point where I feel like, and I feel this today, you know, like, everybody's doing the best they can, you know, based on what they have. But my parents, there was a lot of things that, that there was a mystery. And by pursuing this creative thing, it unlocked a real mystery in my life. My parents were just overtly mean to me for reasons I could never understand. You know, like when I was a kid, I was locked in closets and stuff and um, chained to a dog runner. Really bad stuff, stuff that you hear about in, in daytime movies. You know, my very first sentence 
my very first words were like not mama that or anything. My very first words were God damn it, Jesus Christ, shit. Those were my <laughs> first words. And so the environment. So you, I was you, in, you've earned your right to uh, sing the blues honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, I was in a very uh, tumultuous environment, but for me, I never knew why. And so I just knew my parents were mad about something, but I never could figure out what it was. And so through writing the songs, I wrote this one song. The very first one that I wrote was Breakfast for One on the 5th of July, which did win some award. And so um, I wrote it. It was about this, uh, you know, I've been writing about things that have happened. I wrote it about this relationship. There was this girl who uh, sort of, uh, on a night we were about to go take a vacation together, she uh, hooked up with somebody else, which was incredibly painful. But um, what's fascinating to me about this as I look at it now is that uh, it happened on the 4th of July. So the name of the song is Breakfast for One on the 5th of July. But what's really interesting is this greater truth that exists in the world that we tap into in some way. Because on that 5th of July, I was in Ireland in a pub in Kinsale, Ireland. And I was just sitting there kind of like crying in my beer, you know, thinking, why do I pick the wrong person? You know, like, why did she pick him? You know, why wasn't I good enough? You know, like, just beating myself up. And a a bunch of people came into this pub and started telling stories and limericks and songs, and they all went around the room. And the bartender was the last to go. And he um, did a limerick that I felt compelled to write down for reasons I still can't really fully understand. But he said, uh, I don't know, I guess you must know what a pram is, you know, in Europe. It's a baby carriage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so the limerick that he said was, pity the man who's pushing a pram, pushing a pram all alone. Pity the man who's pushing a pram and thinks that he's pushing his own. Wow. And so I wrote that in my notebook because I was in the habit of, because I wanted to start writing songs, and I just wrote that down. And I thought about a guy, you know, here's a guy who's pushing a baby carriage, doesn't know that the kid he's pushing isn't his. And I found that a very, I felt drawn to that story. And that song, Breakfast for One, I was already in the process of writing that. And I wrote that with Mary Gaucher, who is also a a Hoffman graduate. She went after, I did actually, yeah. I, after hanging out together. And when we wrote that song, um, she, we had written another one, and she, I, she took me to this orphanage that she was left on the day she was born. And so um, uh, after a while, she wanted to find out about her biological family, and so she wanted to take a DNA test, and she asked me to do it with her um, while we were writing that other Breakfast for One song. And, you know, my last name is Romanoff, so... You know, I grew up with uh, this, these Russian folks, and you know, uh, you know, apart from the fact that they were angry, they were you know not bad, you know, and uh, you know, dark and square and kind of hairy people. And uh, but I was pink. I was pink, and I had freckles, you know. And uh, and I used to ask my parents growing up, "How come I don't look like everybody else?" And they would say, "You know, the milkman brought you," you know, stuff like that. You know. <laughs> so, um, so, but I so you found out of... that the milkman really did bring you, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. Yep, with, with some cheese, and um, and so yeah. So I took this DNA test with my friend Mary because I wanted to learn more about the Romanovs. You know, like I, I liked my father, and I wanted to learn more about him. And uh, he had said things to me in my life that I didn't understand, but I wanted to know more about our history of something I could be proud of. So my results came back from the test, and it said that I was Irish. And I thought that that can't be, you know. And so I took a second one, and it came back the same, said I was Irish. So I still didn't believe it, and I asked my brother to take the test. Both my parents had passed away by this time. So my brother took the test, and it came back, and it said that um, we were half-brothers, meaning we had the same same mother but different dads. Okay. and this was in 2010, so two years ago. And so I learned that the reason everyone was so pissed off was because my father saw me as the product of uh, infidelity and looked like this other guy. And my mother couldn't be with the person maybe that she wanted to be with. And so 
uh, it just revealed a big secret to me uh, in that process. It, also, it, it revealed a big secret, but also began to explain to you the emotional uh, soup that you were swimming in as a child that that had no meaning to you whatsoever, and and you could see that you that your your parents' anger was being, especially your father's, was being taken out on you. Yeah, I could never understand it. And even when my father, you know, he used to really, uh, he was very physical and he would, you know, use leather belts. And, and one time he would just, he beat me really badly with a belt so bad that the buckle broke. And it really made him crazy. So he went and got another one. And, you know, he was just very physical and very angry. Wow. And yet I, and yet still I felt closest to him and our family because my mother was very depressed and suicidal. She attempted suicide and, Find it so that I would find her, um, and so, so, so taking um, the Hoffman process uh, and uh, in a kind of a remarkable way allowed you to understand that there was more going on in your family, and with Mary you were able to pursue that, have the DNA testing, and um, and this began to inform your songwriting, and you were pursuing that uh, on on its own. Is well, that what I, I have found- right? What I found kind of interesting was, like, doing the process, I was elated for a long, long time. Like, I was on a, I just felt great. Like, all the things that were bugging me before weren't bugging me. Yep. I didn't have static people in my life. All of a sudden, mystically, like, the five biggest headache people in my life just disappeared within, like, four months. Like, it was really, really interesting to me. But this piece of news, you know, because we're human sent me into a bit of a tailspin. You know, I, I, I revisited some really not happy feelings. I had trouble leaving my house and I had trouble answering my phone when my friends called and I just laid on the couch. And I, so I did a, a Q2, you know, I did a follow-up, uh, not knowing even then that I had, um, I guess, another parent in the mix. This was before I even knew. And so, um, you know, I kept trying to get at like what the problem was um but i will say that by pursuing my creative contribution to the world you know and trying to do something at the heart of what i really wanted to do it led me towards um an important truth that has actually been incredibly liberating because now i understand why um why they were that way so ed Tell us where, so now that you've been through that and, and that somehow this healing is mixed with a freedom that you found within your heart and a self-expression. I mean, I know that on their first, this first album has won like eight or ten international awards, right? Yeah. So why don't we play one of the songs? Uh, I think you, you uh, cued us up with Breakfast for One on the 4th of July or 5th, 5th of, of July. July. Yeah. Why don't we run that one? Give our yeah, own. sure. That's the first one. That's the very first song that I wrote, and uh, and it got some attention. On the 4th of July, in a carnival tent, the star-spangled banner on an old violin. She was there, she was gone, and I knew where she went. I was burning for her, she was burning for him I saw couples kissing and the fireworks glow And I walked past the shadows with nowhere to go Well, I'm a little too old for this parking lot pain With a second place smile and no one to blame Whistles and whistlers, sparklers and snakes Helicopter rockets, sputter and shake She drifted away like the smoke in the sky So it's breakfast for one on the 5th of July. 
And we're here on the Huffman Connection with our guest songwriter, Ed Romanoff, Raz and Grassi. I'm Ed McClune, and we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick break and then want to start talking to Ed about the creative process and how he's made this amazing switch in his life and uh, another dream come true. And we'll be right back with that on the Hoffman Connection. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. We all face some economic uncertainty in our life. What makes the difference is how we take command of that and survive. Tune in to Strategies for Financial Survival with host Michael Figueroa. Michael has been up and down the road to success several times, and along with his guests, will share the skills of survival. By assessing your strengths and skills and applying them to your future, you can make it through tough times, regardless of your field. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And welcome back to the Hoffman Connection with Raz and Grassi. I'm Ed McClune. And uh, before we get back to our guest singer-songwriter, Ed Romanoff, I want to remind you that the Hoffman Institute is a nonprofit organization. And so much of our work, whether it's giving scholarships to people who want to uh, um, benefit from the Hoffman process or teaching training, supporting the radio show here, supporting our retreat center. It's all underwritten by generous gifts, and this is our end-of-year giving campaign. You can give the gift of love uh, by supporting people taking the Hoffman process, um, and to find out more about that, our work, and about the course itself, you can go to www.hoffmaninstitute.org. So, Ed, you had this amazing shift in your life, which I think is like a dream come true for a lot of people, certainly be a dream come true for a noodling musician like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, obviously you've, you've been in the music around the music world for a while. And so one day you just decided, I, I mean, at your process actually committed to becoming a singer songwriter. What happened next? How, I mean, how do you, how do you, well, I don't even want to go that general. You sat down, and the first song you wrote is the amazing piece of poetry that we just heard called the Breakfast, Breakfast or One on the 5th of July. Where is that coming from? Give us a little hint. Teach us about your creative process. Well, you know, not unlike business, uh, I wanted to find out how people who did it really well, how they did it. So I went to some songwriting seminars with some of the better writers in the that I was aware of, like Daryl Scott, who wrote a lot of hits for the Dixie Chicks, and Beth Nilsson Chapman, who had some stuff with Faith Hill, and um, a lot of, there are these places where you can go to learn the craft. And so I really studied it. And 
figuring that, you know, inspiration-wise, I really haven't heard a bad idea for a song, but, like, on the execution side and craft-wise, uh, I wanted to be aware. You know, ironically, I thought I was tone-deaf because my father had been tone-deaf, so I, I really shied away from the music stuff. When I found out that <laughs> he wasn't, you know, it was kind of funny. I started taking voice lessons and stuff. But So, you know, my creative process, you know, that is the creative process. Um, I could go into more detail, but I don't want to, you know... Uh, I don't know. Maybe you have a specific thing that you're thinking about. Well, I know that you 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 go around. I mean, you have paper and pen handy when some kind of inspiration strikes. And I think a lot of the songwriters that I know, you know, mainly through our our community, have generally said the same thing. You know, Beth Nielsen Chabon, who's a guest on on our show um, earlier this year, essentially says something like, "Well, they're they're more of a." vehicle for a song to come through them than for, you know, straining over trying to find rhymes or something. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, like for me, it's kind of a pendulum that swings through that part where it does come through you, where words sort of occur or phrases or even just sounds. And then it swings back to the other side along the way where you're thinking about, okay, two verses, you know, structure and stuff like that. So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's really fun to be open. And I've had a chance to look at how different people do. You know, each writer has been with 15 or 20 other writers, and they pick up good habits from each of them. I've learned something from each of the people that I've worked with, and um, that really has helped a lot. So is there a story, a, a reminiscence about how one of these songs came up for you, um, one of the ones we're going to be hearing later on? Um, well, I think the St. Vincent one is pretty good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, that's much better. Okay, great. Uh, the St. Vincent song, I think, is interesting because um, I started writing it before I knew that it applied to myself, and that was pretty fascinating. I worked on that song with a guy named Josh Ritter, who is um, uh, a, a highly esteemed songwriter, and we became friends. But that was an example of where I worked as a producer with him before, and before I had written anything, and I sought him out as <clears throat> a mentor, and we ended up becoming very, very good friends, and then we wrote some songs together that got on the record, and St. Vincent was one of them. So and, you were actually composing, I mean, I think the opening line is that, of that is something about, you know, I've got a face from a man I never saw or never met. Yep. And um, it's like... Uh, you're working on that song before you even knew that you had been, um, well, that you didn't know who your father was, or you hadn't met yeah, him. Yeah, that was after I had written the limerick, and that limerick stayed in my, I mean, I had heard that, I wrote it down, I heard that limerick about, you know, Pity the Man, and, and I thought I would, I thought it'd be interesting to write a song from the kid's perspective, you know, who doesn't know who his real father was. And I had gone to that orphanage with Mary in New Orleans, a place called St. Vincent de Paul. And walk in the halls down there, you know, there were there were still pictures on the wall of all these kids who were orphans, you know, who had a very interesting mix. Of, the look on their face was something between uh, surprise and jadedness, you know, like they were young, but you could tell they were all deeply wounded. And I really just resonated with those kids, and I wanted to write from their voice. And I think that's part of the creative process for me is to find something that has emotional heat to it and a voice, like the perspective matters, like point of view, like who is telling the story. And I felt as though I was drawn by that particular thing and, and allowed that kid to talk. And when that kid spoke, the first thing he said through me was, I got my face from a man that I have not met. Right. I've been looking for him, but I ain't found him yet. And so it's interesting to give voice to different perspectives. And I guess that's part of the creative process to really be clear of who's talking because then the words come more easily because they do want to speak. Oh, sounds like the song's coming up right now. So let's listen to St. Vincent de Paul. If we met on the street, I know his face. And would he look into mine and find their trace? Of a woman he loved once. Or would I pass him right by and not even know? A basket of rushes and a rubber of men. 
from Ed Romanoff's debut album, St. Vincent de Paul. And that's, I mean, such a, a beautiful song, even about um, reconciliation or compassion. You know, we're all sinners, but not made of sin. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful line there, Ed. Thank you. Um, and I guess that that's part of the creative process for you, too. I mean, inadvertently, maybe not intentionally, there's been a lot of healing since you've uh, really committed to songwriting. There's no question. I mean, you kind of walk through, you know, it's interesting when I listen to this sort of body of songs as a collection, you know, and it feels like a lot of times you hear the word melancholy or something associated with it. But um, to me, they're actually kind of hopeful because, you know, we're still standing and we find strength, you know, um, in the things that don't, you know, kill you. You know, you come back and you have, you know, you just find your way through. And so for me, they're actually kind of um, hopeful songs. But I guess you have to walk through some of that stuff, you know, and face it before you can move on. I'm very, very thankful that, I mean, I had to tell those stories because they were kind of like trees right in front of me. You know, like I had no choice. You know, all, almost all the songs on this record are true about, you know, a friend getting shot or a cousin going missing or my own story. And um, thankfully now that those are gone, I'm able to write about other things, like uh, I'm working on my next record, and um, and one of the songs on that is I'm a little less broken now, and um, that's how I feel, you know, and it's um, I'm, I'm excited and curious about what else, you know, will come through, you know, now that I've gotten sort of the historical, archival, or painful memories out of the way, there's an opportunity for a more joyful uh, artistic expression and I'm really like I'm really psyched about that yeah uh, there's there's uh, looks like we're going to break we're at the Hoffman Connection going right back in just a minute with singer-songwriter Ed Romanoff talk 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 that's all we do is talk yeah! if you'd like to talk call us toll-free right now at one 866 472 5787 472 Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer. And someday, you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Clip has spent three decades learning how to win at the dream home game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 
5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Clip help save you money and make you a winner. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And if you'd like to learn more about our work at the Hoffman Institute, the Hoffman Process, every week at 5 o'clock Pacific time on Tuesdays, uh, there's a free and confidential introductory call. You can call in and get information, ask questions. We don't even know who you are if you don't want us to know. And you get more information about the course. And information about that is on our website at hoffmaninstitute.org. Um, we're here with the singer-songwriter Ed Romanoff, who's made a dramatic shift in sort of midlife from being a successful business person to maybe following a lot of our dreams and becoming a touring musician and songwriter. And Ed, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways of writing songs or styles of songs, but when I listen to your music, it's almost like a movie soundtrack. You know, it, the storytelling is so poignant that it pulls me right into um, you know who would who would want a music video of you know breakfast for one on the fifth of July? I'm there in the diner, you know, listening to that song. Um, and, and I guess that that's pretty much your style. Well, I think you know from the folks that I was learning from, you know, I think visual stuff really helps. You know, setting the something you can see, and so that's um, that's been a, a real uh, focus. You know, I worked on those songs for probably a year and a half. And, you know, a lot of times, very, you know, some songs happen quickly, but a lot of them, are, there's a lot more work. You know, like I went through every line of every song and then figure out what's not, what's the least best line and said, can we top it? And then after that, went through like which word um, isn't strong enough. And then I worked with a uh, voice coach who, um, a guy named Bill Riley, who works with a lot of, well-known folks that I met through another person actually in the process, but um, I uh, uh, he works with like Celine Dion and Stevie Wonder, just an amazing resource, and he's helped me a great deal with how to figure out how to articulate and communicate the intention of each song and each line, and and uh, just a, and become a good friend. You know, he's really, really, really something. I was just going to ask you, uh, Ed, that you have a lot of you know, such an autobiographical uh, tone to a lot of your music. And I remember you telling me how that's opened up a lot of contact with your audience, uh, people coming up to you and telling you that your story is their story. Is that, uh, can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I think that's the reason for doing it. You know, um, I think uh, Clarence Clemens, who passed away this year, who played in the Bruce, uh, Bruce Springsteen's band, said that the stage is a healing floor. And I think that's true. You know, uh, for me, that's the reason why I'm doing it. You know, like I've had some business success, um, but I was sort of behind the scenes and invisible. And an important thing for me to be was to be more visible. And that's good on a personal growth for me. But really what I'm finding is, is that at shows, almost every show, invariably, someone comes up and tells their story. And I think that's the start of the healing process is for someone to vocalize where they're at and um, to know that they're not alone. Um, there aren't a lot of guys who are telling this kind of a story. So I'm finding a lot of people are moved. Every once in a while, I see someone who's tearful, you know. Uh, but fortunately, the shows, I, I try to tell some stories and jokes in between, so that way nobody, you know, wants to jump out of a window uh, <laughs> with the really sad songs. Um, but for me, that's that's what makes it so worthwhile. I've I've, I've had so many comments from people... I mean, that's why I'm doing it. You know, there's, it's music industry is so strange, you know, um, uh, as a business, just in watching it, I'm, I'm kind of curious about it, but you know, really, uh, the best part of every day 
because it's in, it's a uh, grueling thing. You have to have some endurance to do this. Like this tour is unbelievable. Like we we've covered from the Pacific Northwest all the way to San Diego to Salt Lake up to Sh- Minneapolis across the Midwest back up into Canada. Now we're making our way down to the South. We'll be in Birmingham and go back up to uh, Nashville. You know, you gotta that one hour when you're in front of people or two hours is um, is a really special time. And I feel like people are healing each other. And to me, that's I find that compelling, and that, that's what keeps me doing it. Well, I love it, Ed. And I, I would really love it for um, as many of our listeners to be able to access uh, your shows, your music. So tell us, uh, if we just go on edromanoff.com, is that the best way to, to find out where you're performing? And, and can, we, can we also buy your album off of your uh, website? I think you can. Well, the, the record's on iTunes for sure. Okay, so uh, I, iTunes. And it's on Amazon. I don't know if it's on the website or not. It okay, is on but the it's website. just Ed Romanoff, right? EdRomanoff.com. EdRomanoff.com, yeah. and that's also the name of the album, right? Uh, yeah, I, I self-titled. I couldn't think of anything super clever. Well, that sounds good. Sounds pretty good <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, so I really want to encourage our listeners to go onto your website because uh, your tour dates are on there, and uh, you can even listen to some music. And, of course, go on iTunes and buy this album. It's it's an amazing album. And we want to uh, actually uh, – let me see if there's anything else I wanted to ask you, Ed. Um, well, while you're thinking of that, I want to, yeah. I want to encourage people to go to your website. Um, <laughs> because I have to say, you know, like I had a really good life. You know, like I was successful and happy, really. Um, except I had that just one thing that was bugging me. Yeah. Um, but in going to Hoffman, um, like for me now, my life has totally changed. And it's like, it was good before, it is great now. And um, it's like every day is like Christmas. Like stuff comes up that blows my mind, you know, like where I get invited to do things like tour in Europe or be on national radio or a program like this. and um, It just makes you feel special. And That's beautiful. I could have passed my whole time on this globe, with and without I could have lived and died without knowing what was possible. And you know, the world can be a really amazing, cool, and beautiful place. And I couldn't even see it. And the process helped me to see it, and then to find a way in it. And so oh. I'm deeply, deeply grateful. And Raz, you know, like you know, you were there when I had, did have my breakthrough moment. And um, and the thing, you know. I, it's, it's amazing how it all ties together, and even then I didn't know. Um, but uh, So there's a deeper magic or knowledge or wisdom to something like the process that I could not... Re- I recommend it to all my friends. One of my closest yes. friends I, I worked on for months ago, and he wouldn't do it, and then he finally went, you know, and I was, I was telling you earlier, because he, he said, I'm not going because you suggested I go. I'm going because of the things you're no longer doing since you went. <laughs> and... Um, well, Ed, you're so great to help help us and to uh, support the Hoffman process. We deeply appreciate it. I I uh, am so amazed at how you've gotten all these national and international songwriting awards and you know, like ten awards in your first album. It's amazing. And I was wondering if we could uh, take us out here, if we get the technicians listening, by playing the song of yours, Potholes, which, as you told me, is a bit more upbeat, huh? Yeah, I think that's the way, that's where I'm headed, you know. Okay. I think we all, we all have potholes in our lives, but, like, hopefully, you know, I, I, I actually have so much optimism about the whole thing, so that's kind of what potholes is about, I think. Okay, well, let's listen. On my street, I hear stories on the TV. Think of how it used to be Walking down my street And it shows It shows on broken radio Broadcasting empty souls Walking down my street But I know I know which way the wind blows It's blowing over potholes It's wearing I believe 
singing someday We'll be okay We'll get that road Thank everyone for being with us today. And uh, Ed Romanoff, you're fantastic. The last name is spelled with a double F, Romanoff. And uh, be sure to go to Ed Romanoff's website and pick up this album. Yeah, Ed, thanks so much for being with us this afternoon. And I just want to say, too, that the uh, for somebody who is afraid of public speaking, your show is, is about as entertaining as they get, too. It's really, really wow. fun. Wow, thanks a lot. Well, yeah. I say thank, thank you guys for the work you do. You know, it's amazing the transform, transformational stuff that you help people with. And I, I can't thank you all enough. I'm indebted to both you guys. Thank you. All right. All good. Thanks, Ed, so much. So, Raz, do you, do you have... We'll see everybody. We'll be back next week and uh, look forward to it. Yeah, Raz, you take care. I'll be away teaching. Okay. Thanks for listening this afternoon to the Hoffman Connection. See you next week. Singing someday We'll be okay We'll get that road Eventually Someday Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 